in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my fucking ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My fucking ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them suckers like the fucking players. The Raiders will play in the Hall of Fame game against the Jacksonville Jags, the first preseason game of the year in Canton, Ohio. And Ed, now I have to pay attention to the Hall of Fame game? This is the worst news. Oh, I guess so. Oh, Are you going to have to go to this? I assume. Oh, I assume. No, oh. you got to go to Ohio for a the preseason Canton, game in like pre-season. August? Yeah. Oh. Little, little little sticky back there, a little uh, humidity Jeez. back in Cleveland. Um, what a I, nightmare. What I think this means also, I'm going to be surprised if it doesn't. So they have a road game in the regular season against the Jags. They also have a road game in the regular season against the Saints, right? Both those teams have been picked for international games in London. I'll make the call now. Hot take here. It's going to be Raiders against Saints at Tottenham because Ooh, I don't think they would. Oh, I don't think they would do Jags Hall of Fame game and then Jags in London. That wouldn't make sense. So, go right. Saints. I um, I mean that at least that's you know can be a fun trip out of it, right? Like you're not, you're not having to go to Canton, Ohio in August. You get yeah. to go to London in whatever September, November, October, whenever that game would be. Like, jeez, Canton. Like that means they have to start practice earlier now too, yeah, right? They get, they get jeez. to, they get to, yeah. So wait, do you think the coaches want? Does Josh McDaniels want this because he gets to start? Someone everything asked earlier? me that uh, yesterday. I said for him, yes. I mean, for an established coach who's been around like Andy Reid, he'd probably like, I don't want to do this thing. Um, <laughs> I just want three games, but a fourth game. And again, who's playing in? The, it's the first game, right? So right. I don't even know who he'd be playing oh. in the first game, but <laughs> his systems and all of that, and you know, you, you sit your starter Mariota. Uh, for that first game, um, yeah, I think uh, I think he'd want a fourth game just because he's a brand new coach. And, Sit well, your starter, Mariota. Sit your starter, um, Mariota. But okay, the the best part of it though was Adam Hill yesterday tweeting that Stations already has a lineup yeah. for the game What's it, of three, two three and, and a half? half. Oh, two and a half. Okay. What? All right. It's it was it's March first. How do I, we have a line? I guarantee you, people bet on it yesterday. I I that been put on the board. Someone 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 took a ticket on it. I would pick. Oh, I'd take the Jags you don't have and the to do points. This. You don't have to do this to yourself. You don't have to. Make <laughs> you know, it's it's March first. Dad, don't you don't have to make a pick. Next question. Kylan Boswell picked Arizona over UNLV and Illinois. He's a top fifteen player in the class of twenty twenty three. Five star point guard. He could reclassify and play in twenty twenty two, but UNLV was in the final three, but they could not land what would have been. One of the highest-ranked recruits that UNLV has ever landed. Yeah, I don't think either of us are surprised. He plays his AU ball. He's from. He's living in Arizona now. You know, Illinois was in it because he was Champagne guy, and UNLV was in it for a lot of reasons. One being, I think there's a good relationship between Coach Kruger and the family, uh, dating back to the Illinois days when Lon was the coach there. So, um, uh, you know, keep being in on these kids, and you'll get one or two, maybe. I'm right. I said it's not nothing wrong with being in on a top 15 player. Nothing wrong with that kid. Sitting at the table there with UNLV uh, logo brought back. Hey, Reb, huh? Where'd they yes. get that? Where'd they get that, by the way? You, I mean, you go to Google and you type in like UNLV logo, it still pops up. You still got the old Hey, Reb showing up there because 
that's what that's what they use for a long time and by the way uh, a key detail here uh arizona is 25 and 3 this year they're probably going to get a two seed at worst in the ncaa tournament at worst at worst yeah, it's, you know that's, that's a reason yeah. to go to arizona and not unlb next question san diego state beat wyoming 73 to 66 last night san diego state is the first team to win in wyoming this season cowboys were undefeated 13 and 0 at home before last night uh san diego state probably clinched their ncaa tournament berth with that win yeah they they host fresno and go to reno so i wouldn't lose one of those i guess yeah that, I mean, could, hurt. that I, could hurt i think that could hurt you know maybe you know this because i read it in in the game story of san diego state wyoming there's some kind of convoluted weird situation maybe it's winning percentage i don't know of how they do the seeding of the conference tournament and in the san diego paper day they said if it started today san diego state has moved up to the two seed now i don't it's got to be winning percentage i would think um but we've had san diego state in the four or five game against unlb this whole time maybe it'll still run out that way i was surprised but they i mean i don't think the writer was mistaken they wrote it that if it started today they'd be the two seed i think they're all with four losses colorado state san diego state wyoming so i doesn't it have to be winning percentage yeah that can't be right no, so I, well, but they, I mean, I, I read it. Colorado, like State, Colorado State is 13 and four. Wyoming is 12 and four. San Diego State is 11 and four. And the way, I mean, the Mountain West, they have a specific tiebreaker or not. It's not even a tiebreaker, but they added to their standings rules because of the chance of postponed games that if teams play an unequal amount of games, it's simply winning percentage. And yeah. the four is better than 12 and four. 12 and four is better than 11. San Diego State right now is the four seed. The like, San Diego the State, seed. though, would say, yeah, or would they, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing here. So head-to-head, -head, they split with Colorado State, and they're, all, and they're going to beat Wyoming because they don't play it twice. But neither one's going to matter because San Diego State's only going to play 17 games, and Colorado State and Wyoming are both going to play 18. Okay. So, I don't know. I don't know where they got that from because I read that. I'm like, that can't be right. How did they jump yeah. from four to two with one win? Yeah, it, it it's not now they could they can still get there they're going to need some losses from colorado state or they're going to need unlb to beat wyoming on right. wednesday right but so they can get there but at right now if it ended right now it it's the four or five of san diego state against unlb man you know that's a great question the grizzlies beat the spurs 118 to 105 last night John Morant had a career-high 52 points. It's the most points a Memphis Grizzly has ever scored. Uh, which highlight did you think was better, dunking on Jakob Pertl or his buzzer beater at the end of the first half? I just like the buzzer beater. And by the way, good for Steven Adams on the pass. Oh. We're not getting enough uh, credit to Steven Adams on that pass. There the was So the buzzer beater was four-tenths of a second left, point four on the clock. Steven Adams, one hand like a football, throws this the length of the court to John Morant, who's on the opposite baseline. And John Morant goes up like a wide receiver in the back of the end zone to catch this. But the, the most impressive part, Steven Adams with a great pass, John Morant catching this and having enough strength to shoot this before he hit the ground. Yeah. Like yeah. he, and he didn't have enough time. If he hits the ground, the buzzer goes off and the, the shot won't count. Like he caught it in midair and still was able to shoot it before hitting the ground was unbelievable. And it's amazing that he dunked on a seven footer when he jumped from like nearly outside the paint. And nobody thinks that's as impressive no. as what he did like two <laughs> minutes later. And he had 52. Is he your MVP? 
No, no. Okay. He's, he's not the MVP right now. Okay. Um, there are other guys have had better seasons so far, but he is the he is unbelievably fun to watch, and he is the he's probably the one guy right now that you tell me, hey, uh, who do you want to pay to go see play? I'm probably picking John Morant. I'm out. FIFA has banned Russia from the World Cup. They also kicked a Russian team out of their Europa League. Uh, and the women's Russian national team will not be allowed to compete in the European Championships this year either. On the Men's World Cup side, there is supposed to be a four team, four teams competing for one spot. Uh, Russia was supposed to play uh, Poland and Sweden and the Czech Republic were playing each other. Or I think I have that backwards. But anyways, those are the four teams. And all four, or all three, Sweden, Poland, and the Czech Republic came out and said they would refuse to play Russia. And FIFA initially was like, well, we'll let them play. They just won't be allowed to be called Russia. Uh, but then they came back and said, you know what? We'll just kick Russia out of the World so, Cup. So Russia. Now what, you, what do you World do Cup. now? Round Robin? Um, I don't. I did not see what they announced for what their plan is for those three. Um, three. I would. I would venture to guess somebody gets a buy straight to the, sort of the final for this okay. one spot that's left. But I. I did not actually see what FIFA's plans are to figure out this uh, four teams playing for one spot setup. But uh, either way, nobody was going to play Russia, so FIFA either had to decide to forfeit Russia or forfeit all the other teams that were refusing to play Russia. That was an easy choice. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> All right. This is from the weekend. But Ali Marpet has retired from the NFL. He was a 28-year-old Pro Bowl guard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Tom Brady retires, and this guy at 28 decides he's done too? Well, I mean, there's a chance he got hurt in the Pro Bowl. Uh, <laughs> someone might have breathed on him. Um, yeah, I, I mean... I don't know. It's, 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 I don't know what guy, I, I have no idea what he wants to do with his life. I don't know what his interests are. Um, but I will say this, especially playing the position he does, if you're not all in, then you don't need to be in that league. So if for whatever reason he's not all in, um, then step away because that's too hard a league. It's too hard a game to play if you're not completely 110% bought in. Um, and Brady, of course, is, you know, he's a freaking nature anyway. So, um, I hope the guy has something to do, and I didn't, you know, when I saw this, you know, I think because he's 28, people, like, kind of raised their eyes. But, like I said, if he's 50% in or he doesn't want to play anymore, probably best to step away. We had the conversation um, about Aaron Donald when it was like, oh, Aaron Donald could retire or whatever. And as ridiculous as it sounds, we did have the conversation about uh, will more NFL players effectively decide, you know what, I've played for five, six, seven years. I've had a good, uh, I've made a good chunk of money and I'm going to step away at, you know, 28, 30, 31 years old while I still feel like I'm in good health because mm -hmm. it's a brutal sport to play mm -hmm. for 20 years. And I, I wonder if that had some of the, that was part of the decision here for Ali Marpet was like, hey, yeah, I've, I've made a good chunk of money and I'm going to step away before yeah. I suffer enough injuries before to I where when to I'm 45, I can't get out of 50. bed. Yeah. Yeah, so it's. I, I wonder how much that played into it, and I wonder how often that could come up in the future for different uh, players. What do you think? All right, last one here in the front page. Art Bryles stepped down as offensive coordinator of Grambling State. He was hired or was going to be hired as of last week. 
Obviously, they got a lot of pushback. Grambling State did. He was fired from Baylor amid all the sexual assault allegations against his players. But he will not be the uh, offensive coordinator at Grambling State. Well, this has happened like three times, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he's like he's just not going to coach again. He, he just going to follow him. It's like the Dave Bliss situation from Baylor. Um, he's not going to coach again. Um, I don't. I don't see anyone hiring him because of the all that happened to Baylor under his watch. Uh, and this was him stepping away um, because I think I think Hugh Jackson said they were going to completely support him. Doug Williams came out and you know spoke against it, but Hugh Jackson said they were going to support him and you know they were going to stand behind him. And all of a sudden, that two hours after those comments, our Bryles is gone. <laughs> so, like a, a CFL team tried to hire him at one point. Yep. Uh, Southern Miss was interested in hiring. Like, how many teams are going to try to hire Art Bryles just to go back like two hours later and be like, eh? All right, this isn't going to work out. People really don't like this guy. Like, how how does this keep happening? How do you not see what's happened in the past? I mean, like, oh, yeah. we're going to end up doing the same thing as all these other teams. How don't you how don't you know what the headlines will be that will right. follow him around the rest of his life? Uh, because all these be schools, they all yeah. know what happened at Baylor. They're yes. not. They're, it's not like they just found out about that. They're all deciding. Well, we can get away with it when we have multiple examples of schools not getting away with it because people don't want Art Bryles around their team. Yeah. I do. Okay. This All might right. be coming it. up next. We will jump in to the Raiders and if there's a number one cornerback that they should be signing in the offseason. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Make sure you stay tuned. We are going to have tickets to NASCAR coming up in Toyota 400 this weekend. Also tickets to the Pac-12 men's basketball tournament. All that a little bit later in the show. But right now... I should tell you that I am sitting here looking at Danny. Uh, my earphones, my headphones broke. So uh-oh. I have one on the left, but the right one's hanging down to my chin. Switch, but you can hear. Barely. I can hear you. You're at, you, you sound good. <laughs> you sound good. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I don't know if I should trust the guy with the broken headphones and only one ear working. But okay. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, now, in... Uh... <laughs> In the world of football this offseason, the New England Patriots, they might let J.C. Jackson become a free agent. J.C. Jackson, um, Mike Rice of ESPN wrote that he's the best option for a franchise tag for the Patriots, and it would cost them an estimated $17 million if they do, in fact, franchise tag him. Um, But Mike Rice said that the odds of them tagging J.C. Jackson are pretty low. He's 26 years old. Uh, He was uh, pro football focus's number seven cornerback. Last year, everybody, everything that you read about him regards him as a great man-to-man defender. Pro Football Focus, which also does sort of contract uh, guesses, projections, they have J.C. Jackson as a free agent signing a four-year deal for $18 million per season. Um, if the Patriots do, in fact, let him go, if they don't franchise tag him or potentially re-sign him, do you think the Raiders go after him, given their New England Patriots ties? I think they go after him. Yeah, absolutely. I think Ziegler would go after him if he likes him that much. the The eighteen million per again goes back to everything. To me, everything on this money, whether it's Casey Hayward, what he'd want, one of the you know, those three interior defensive linemen with you know whoever they feel a need or uh, desire to re-sign, it goes to me. It just goes back to a lot to Derek Carr, and how much money is going to be available. Um, they still need a one wide receiver. Uh, but I do think because he's from New England, it's well, 
I mean, if if the hires are anything, any kind of indication, I think they're going to go after every New England Patriot who's available. <laughs> um, if we've, the hires we've already seen, so I I do think they'd look at him, and if you know, Pro Football Focus, if that's kind of where they think he lands, that's probably where the fair market value is for someone with his experience and someone as good as he is. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be if he hits free agency, he's probably going to be the number one cornerback on the market, right? This is going to be the guy. If you land a corner, he's going to be the guy. Um, has had a pretty good career uh, in New England so far. And again, he's only 26. Like, he's young. Like, you can conceivably sign this guy for four years and get four really good years. You're not signing him. You're saying, ah, we'll get two good years, then the back two is going to be a problem. He's probably going to be really good for the entirety of that contract. So, the but the interesting part will be, I, I am curious what the Raiders, what McDaniels and Ziegler what do they think the Raiders' biggest need is, right? Like, do, Defensively? Do, de- defensively, yeah, on the defensive side. Like, do they look at it and say, hey, lost Casey Hayward, you know, Trayvon Mullins, solid but nothing special, Nate Hobbs had a good rookie season. Like, do they look at corner and say, that's the number one need? Or are they looking at safety and saying, listen, this Jonathan Abram guy cannot be a starter for us. And, yeah, Trayvon Merrick had a fine rookie season, but he's nothing special either. Or are they looking at the defensive line and saying, don't have any defensive tackles on the roster right now we better go sign some like i'm fascinated to know what their biggest need is because if they look at it and say corners the biggest need that's what i think jackson right makes a ton of sense but if they look at it and they say you know we got to get some better interior play on the defensive line or we've got to get uh better safeties in here then even if they love jc jackson they might not go that route because they think there are other positions they need to figure out maybe they draft a maybe they draft a corner Right, and that's the other conversation is who do they think they're going to be able to draft in the first round, right? Do they think, like, because obviously there's offensive needs too, but, like, are right. they are they looking offensive line or wide receiver in the first round? Or do they think, hey, there's going to be a corner available in the second half of the first round that we think can come in and start right away? I think the corner is the most important position. I And that's being said, I don't know what, I don't know what uh, Casey Hayward's going to do. Um but I, I don't know what you think. I think corner is the most important position because Trayvon Mullen, like you said, you don't really know how good he's going to continue. Um, I think Morg was good enough to where uh, we've talked about picking up Jonathan Abrams' fifth year. I don't think they should, and I don't think they will. So that does open up some things of safety. Uh, they're going to play the 3-4, right? So who's your interior guys in that, in that scheme? Um, I, if you ask me what I would look at mostly, I'd look at corner. Yeah, and like if you look at the roster, there are the good news about the defensive side of the ball is between Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe, you have good defensive ends. I don't know that anybody would consider that, you know, a, a top five defensive end duo in the league, but you have good pass rushers on the outside. Moving to a three four, how does that change? We'll see. We'll see what exactly how that plays out next year. But they've got some good players that can get to the quarterback from the edge. And then there's also some other decent pieces, right? Nate Hobbs looks like a good piece. Trayvon Merrick looks like a good piece. Trayvon Mullen looks like a good, like there are other good pieces on this team, but the big issue is that there's not any stars outside of maybe Max Crosby and Crosby is still, you know, he had a good season last year, but it's not like he had 17 sacks and was tearing everything up. He had eight sacks is good year, but nothing unbelievable. So they need another star or two. Like you look at how how the Rams win the Super Bowl with a quarterback that's not top five in the league. They had a bunch of star players. Yeah, they went out and got a bunch of guys and and gave up a bunch of picks. And specifically on defense, right? When you have Aaron Donald, when you have Jalen Ramsey, when you can go get Von Miller in the middle of the season. Like the Raiders have maybe one of those guys 
in Max Crosby. And if they're going to have a defense good enough to sort of be the reason you win a Super Bowl, they're going to have to get a handful of stars in there, right? And that would be signing J.C. Jackson and having him play as a top three cornerback over the next four years or whatever that ends up being. So that's I, I'm I'm just very curious how Ziggler and McDaniels view the personnel they have for this defense and how good do they think it is? How good do they think it can be? And what do they think they need to do? Like, do they think they need to get stars or do they think, hey, if we just get four or five good players, that'll be enough to get us to the 18th best defense in the league and that'll be fine. Is there a position that you more often than not kind of cringe first round and and defensively? Uh, Linebacker is probably the worst. Um, Unless it's Mike Parsons. Yeah, unless it's (laughs) like, (laughs) right, the guy's unbelievable. But like, in general, like you get the most value from edge rushers and cornerbacks. So those are the two you probably want to take. The problem is, is there have been so many cornerback busts, like so the many Raiders corners. Raiders know of one. Taken. Yes, and they've 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 been responsible for them as well. Yeah. But there have been so many corners that taken in the first round that have not worked out that it's it makes you sit back and say, hold on, is there something about this position that we shouldn't be wasting a first round pick on? But though, like if you're building out a defense, the two positions that you'd want to be the best at are corner and defensive end. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, defensive tackle, safety, and then linebacker are probably the important ones. So, but in all honesty, like if they took any, maybe outside linebacker is probably the least need, I think on the raw, on the defensive side of the ball, if they took any of the other positions, if they even took another edge rusher because they're going to a three, four, right. I, I wouldn't have too much of a problem with that. Really anything outside of linebacker on the defensive side of the ball. I think they can figure out a way right. that to provide value right away. If it's a corner, great safety, there's places to start right away. If it's defensive tackle, there's, you'd be the only one on the roster no, at that be. point. And, and if it's, <laughs> it's, if it's your a, spot, right. If it's the edge rusher position, then yeah, you, you know, you, you need as many of those as you can possibly get. So not, I think linebacker is the only one I'd sit, sit back and say, huh, what are they doing around here? So. I think they go, I think they go heavy corner. Um, and I think they need to, I, and again, we don't know. I, I, I can't wait till free agency starts to see what these guys do and who comes back. Like it's yeah. fascinating to see where some of these free agents are going to go and who they're going to go after. But if you tell me that they're going to go after J.C. Jackson, then I'm not even going to blink because he's with the Patriots. Right. Yeah, you're right. Anybody who was a Patriot, we should expect the Raiders yeah. to sign because... Tom Brady. They... <laughs> he used to be a Patriot. Because they brought so many guys from New England. that Yeah, you got ties to New England, right? Yeah, come on over. We got a spot for you. And the J.C. Jackson, yeah, we'll pay you $18 million a year to come over and be the number one cornerback. So Raiders defense. Yeah, it's a... I mean. So anytime you get a new head coach, it's a fun offseason, but especially for a team that actually made the playoffs. Like it's, this isn't a team that won three games and there's the expectations are, hey, just don't be god-awful next year. Yeah, just don't think. Right. There's legitimate expectations for the Raiders to be a good team next season, and they have a new coach, new GM, who are obviously going to view players differently than the old coach and GM did. So what does that mean, right? We kind of assume that means the end for somebody like Jonathan Abram, but what if Josh McDaniels loves Jonathan Abram? And he's like, that guy's starting for us. No doubt about it. Like, it's fascinating to see, like, what their moves and sort of what that says about how they view the roster and where the weak spots are. Because there are certainly weak spots. There are plenty of weak spots. But I don't know what they think are the biggest weak spots. What if he does love Jonathan Abram and we've been, we've been wrong all along? Oh, boy. I don't think that I don't think that's possible. Did he watch film? <laughs> Has he watched any film yet? As a new defensive coordinator, watch film. I, I don't that we we go back to that in terms of picking up the option, and neither of us think they're going to pick up the option. God, it'd be funny if they did. What if, if they picked up the, all those options, including the, Lee Furl? Like the boy, first we off, were wrong. yeah, 
the first offseason news is Cleveland Furl and Jonathan Abram have had their fifth year options picked up. I think that has to happen soon. Uh, there's a deadline, yeah. Yeah, it's I think that's coming up in the spring. So it'd be it'd be funny to see that happen. Be like, oh god, what are they doing? Take back the hire. Go get somebody else. Go get somebody else. They don't need him anymore. Coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at Four Verts. Good morning, Charles. I've got an important question for you. Can you tell me what Kyler Murray is doing? Hey, how are you? Uh, all right. You know, I, I still right. have uh, not announced I'm working yet. I'm going to give that one more week. Uh, okay. I'm enjoying my fun employment a little bit too much. But uh, <laughs> I, what, what Kyler Murray's thinking? Man, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I really don't get this because I. The the thing to me is like before all this happened. Was anyone saying that the Cardinals should not pay Kyler Murray, uh, you know, a a long-term deal? Because obviously, you know, I think you can have concerns about um, what has happened in the second half of the season the past two years. But one, I don't think you can put that all on Kyler. And two, at the same time, we know when we've seen Kyler at his best, you know, like let's just take the first eight games or whatever, what have you, uh, of the past two seasons. Like that is legitimate MVP caliber quarterback play. So. You know, if you can just figure out what the hell is going on, uh, whether it's Cliff Kingsbury, whether it's Kyler, whether it needs to make some upgrades in the supporting cast in the second half of the season, uh, you know, I really see no reason to break up this experiment right now because uh, we're, we're talking about a guy who's still really young. Like I said, we know he can play super elite football when he's at his best, and uh, they seem to just have you know some risk going on here. But now you know, now you have people saying, "Oh, Kyler Murray's distraction," and blah 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 blah. All right, well, Kyle, you want to be a subtraction in Atlanta? I'm sure we can try and work something out because I would be happy to take on that distraction. Like, I, I kind of feel like uh, while Kyler has not, while Kyler and his agents have not handled this well, I mean, that bizarre four million word post yesterday that was in like size two font, we needed a goddamn microscope to look at it, uh, was not a good look. But at the same time, you know, he should be asking for his worth, but it's just kind of weird that we even got here in the first place because. You know, I don't think that anyone was questioning whether or not they should extend him because he's a really good quarterback. I enjoyed that it was in all capital letters. Yeah, that was it was kind of weird. Like, <laughs> I'm okay. Well, let me be honest. I didn't read it because I looked at it. Like, you ever you ever have to read something and you look at it and your brain just says, "Oh God, no, not today, buddy." Like, <laughs> you, you just, it just kind of. I, my eyes just glazed over as soon as I saw how many words there were and how little they were. So I still haven't read it. I got the gist of it from the quote retweets and the replies, but uh, I don't really get what's going on here. I Listen, Charles, I think that nobody actually read it. I don't think anybody in the world actually read it. We're all just going off what other people think they saw when they their eyes also glazed yeah. over. Someone replied to me that it was a terms and conditions statement, which is why no one read it, which is, hey, <laughs> I, I think that's pretty spot on. Isn't this also a situation know, where right terms condition in my life? Isn't this also a situation where guys and I don't know if it was agent driven or whatever should have a little more control over that part of it? If that was if that was agent driven or maybe he wanted this out as well and he didn't care and he said, "Yeah, let's go for it." Um, you know, I don't I don't know like what percentage of the power struggle there was between agent and player, but you know, I know I know this Kyler's paying that man enough money where Kyler said, hey, don't put this statement out. 
uh, it wouldn't have gotten out there. So he's he's definitely got a role uh, in this somehow. And you know, I, I, to me, I think Kyler's just kind of uh, disrespected, I guess, by some of the stuff that came out recently about him not being like you know an attentive leader or the best teammate. And uh, honestly, to me, I I kind of understand the frustration with that because it all seemed kind of random, you know, like their season's been over for uh, about a month. Uh, it ended obviously in a horrible fashion by just getting eviscerated by the Rams uh, in LA. But at the same time, you know, it just seemed like a random time for this story to drop. And uh, I think if you're Colin Murray, like if you're looking at this from Colin Murray's perspective, the first thing you have to ask when a story like that comes out about you is where is it coming from and what are the motivations behind uh, this story coming out? Because obviously, you know, you can get a scoop as a reporter, but the person giving you the information has some sort of agenda that they're trying to get across. So if you're Kyler, you're looking like, why are these reports coming out now? Oh, it looks like they're coming out right as they might be trying to stiff me on a long-term contract deal where I'm going to ask for market rate money and try to get, you know, $40 million like Dak and Josh Allen are doing, uh, which he should ask for because they would be lost without him. Uh, so I, I think for him, that was just kind of a shot back at the team, like, hey, whoever is leaking this information or saying these things about me, uh, whether they're true or not, because that's the part I don't know. I think this is kind of like a shot across the bow where you're saying, all right, well, here's the power back in my hands. If I don't want to do this, you guys are going to have to look for another quarterback. And we already know how hard that has been for you, really, since uh, Carson Palmer left. Will Jimmy Garoppolo be the best quarterback that changes teams this offseason? Um, yeah, I, I I think so. Um. Just because, like, I, I, I don't, like, I, I don't buy that Matt Ryan's getting moved from Atlanta. Um, you know, I, I, I find Jimmy Garoppolo to be better than Carson Wentz. So, you know, if you're looking at those two guys, they're going to get moved. I think that Jimmy's definitely uh, a better option there. To me, it's just kind of interesting. Like, well, where is he going to go? Because uh, I think that you know, it, it, it the way like the way that we think about Jimmy Garoppolo, it, I, to me, it, it almost has to. It's so it's like related to how we view sports in general in America here because you know if you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo right you know you're not if he's not coming with Trent Williams he's not coming with George Kittle he's not coming with Kyle Shanahan but also you can do a lot worse than Jimmy Garoppolo and a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo is just a trade for mediocrity like you're saying all right well he is better than what we had last year, but obviously we know he's still not good enough to get us to where we are. It's just a de- declaration of mediocrity, which I think some, like recently in American sports has kind of been frowned upon, where, you know, either you got to be going for gold or you got to be taking. Hey, someone's got to be that middle ground, and that middle ground is Jimmy Garoppolo. Not everybody gets to be Aaron Rodgers. Not everybody gets to be, uh, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars of the past, you know, 20 years, but Someone's got to fill that middle role, and someone's going to get paid handsomely for it, so why not Jimmy Garoppolo? If that's the case there, what would a market be for Carson Wentz? Um, you know, I, I, I think for Carson Wentz, it's just any team that like feels they're kind of close and maybe thinks they can tap into like whatever, you know, that, that Carson Wentz we had in 2017 where he looked like he was about to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think that that's probably the situation you're going to have to get yourself into. Uh, I, I think a team like Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense because Pittsburgh's in a weird spot where, like, you want to start over, really? It's a 
some real studs on defense. You got some dudes on offense, and you know, I, I think if you're if you can just get a quarterback in there that can be, um, you know, functional, then you still have a chance to win that division. All things said, because you still have enough talent on the rest of the team. I mean, they were just in the playoffs with a, with a quarterback that's a lot worse than Carson Wentz. Um, you know, just a, a, a few weeks ago. So I think when you look at Carson Wentz, I don't really think he's like quite as good as his fans say, or as bad as like his hardcore detractors say. He's been kind of somewhere in the middle. And uh, if you think that you can still tap into some of that potential that was there a few years ago, it makes sense. So you know, I, I think Carson Wentz. I don't think it'll be like a robust market, but for a team like Pittsburgh or a team that's just trying to find some stability with the potential for a long-term future, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Did you intentionally plan your transition between jobs, your unemployment, so that you could avoid the combine? Um, no, that was intended, unintended uh, misstep on my part. But I did schedule it so that I wouldn't really have to cover the Super Bowl because <laughs> I don't know, I just didn't really care about the Super Bowl. I was watching it, and I was like, it feels like a Week 8 Sunday night football game. Uh, so I was kind of glad I got to skip out on that. I played a lot of video games in the last two weeks. Um, <laughs> got a Master Set Legendary Edition. I've already beat it twice. I'm about to play my third time today. Uh, my brother called me disgusting for that, but honestly, I have nothing to do right now. Like I'm really just watching draft prospects, watching TV, dabbling with my little inebriation, and playing video games and working out when I get the chance uh, when I'm not laying down. So. Uh, I get back to work next Monday, so when I ever talk to you guys next Tuesday, you guys will know where I'm at. Okay, I need to, I need to know if your brother, how accurate your brother is on calling you disgusting. How long does it take you to beat Mass Effect? <laughs> okay, well, 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 let me start by saying this: my Mass Effect save, like if you look at the time saved, that's a very long. Uh, if you look at like the amount of time played, because every time you save your game, it tells you how long you've been playing, which kind of disgusts me a little bit. But those are very incorrect because what happens is I fall asleep with the game on sometimes. So when it says like, "Oh, you can play in this game for like 48 hours," no, I haven't. It's just been on, but I haven't been playing it. But I will say that I have run through uh, Mass Effect the trilogy very fast two times, and not only that. So I don't know how familiar you guys are with the game. But uh, so on the legendary edition that came out like last summer, uh, it's Mass Effect one, two, and three all on the same file. Like, it's it's pretty sweet, and you know it makes it really easy to uh, switch over your Commander Shepherds from game one to game two to game three. But the problem is like, when you're playing Mass Effect one, it very much feels like a game that was made in two thousand seven. Like the gameplay is very horrible. It, it feels like an old Xbox three sixty game. So what I did was. There's this glitch early in the game where you can get Max Paragon and Max Renegade coins. So I did that, and it took me like 40 minutes of just like replaying the same conversation over and over again so I could get the Max points. But then I have that save imported, so I never have to play Max Effect 1 again. I've done the work where it's already loaded up with Max Paragon and Max Renegade points for Max Effect 1 from Max Effect 2, and I don't have to play that crappy game again. And, yeah, I'm super unemployed right now. So your brother, your brother's right. It's, it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, he's absolutely right. <laughs> like I, 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 what, I'm, I'm when I get hooked on something, I, I really can't put it down. So now that I'm talking about it, I'm gonna have to play as soon as I get off this call. Well, he is Charles McDonald. Go enjoy Mass Effect. Uh, next week, we'll find out where he is writing. But you can follow him on Twitter at right now at Fourverts. Charles, as always, we Thanks, appreciate Charles. it. Thanks, Charles. Later, guys. 
himself. There is Charles McDonald, our uh, new video game Mass Effect yeah. expert. But now we've got NASCAR tickets. Two tickets for the Pennzoil 400. It's coming to Las Vegas Sunday, March 6th. That's this Sunday. We got a pair of tickets for you. 702-364-1100 if you want to go out to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway this Sunday. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. All right, important question for you, Ed. Do you think that an NFL team will try to make Marcus Mariota a starting quarterback this season? Well, we know it could be here. Uh, I think I think someone will look at him for that. Yeah, I mean, we're talking. I, I think you're going to go into the Browns here, bringing him in to compete with Baker Mayfield. So, I don't know if Baker Mayfield's shown enough to where big Marcus Mariota, if he comes in and outperforms him in the uh, in the preseason, he couldn't land that starting job. Right. So NFL.com had a story about why it might make a little bit of sense for the Browns to bring in Marcus Mariota because he could compete with Baker Mayfield and potentially win the job and they could have a better quarterback play. Also, it could make sense for Marcus Mariota to go to the Browns and, you know, compete with Baker Mayfield, but only if you believe an NFL team won't make Marcus Mariota an outright starter, which is the curious part of this because Marcus Mariota was an outright starter in Tennessee, then came to Vegas and basically didn't play for the last couple of seasons. And if somebody, and, and it could be, it could be anybody, it could be the, the Texans or whoever, but if somebody's willing to give Marcus Mariota a shot to be a starter, no, he goes right. That's what he's going to end up sure. doing. But if nobody does, if the entire league looks out there and says, no, thank you, right? If, if Pittsburgh is like, you know what? We're going with Mason Rudolph or whoever, uh, then you're Mariota and you're looking for a backup spot. It makes a lot of sense to go somewhere where the starting quarterback is not good or at least has a chance of being benched, right? right? Which, is, which is what would be the situation in Cleveland. Obviously, if Baker Mayfield plays well, Mariota might never see the field, but there's been plenty of times in the past couple of years where Baker Mayfield has not played well and the Browns quarterback is in question. And if Mariota was there, then all of a sudden you turn it over to Mariota and maybe he's good and maybe Mariota sort of resuscitates his career. So that would make sense. But again, that's only if no other team makes him an offer to be the outright starting quarterback, which could happen. It's, it's an interesting offseason because, um, like Matt Millen just tweeted that he's talked to more NFL teams about Mitch Trubisky than the incoming rookie class of quarterbacks. Hmm. And he's basically he basically implying that nobody thinks these incoming rookies are going to be any good. And so Mitch Trubisky is yeah. getting more interest. So if you're somebody like Mariota, I think there's a lot to be said for, hey, you don't think this Malik Willis guy is any good, so why don't you sign me and I'll be your starter well, instead until at least the next draft class when you can maybe draft somebody better. Haven't we said that all along as well? Um, I'm trying to think of the other quarterback you brought up, that the class is so bad you'd rather take a chance on a journeyman or a backup and wait till next, you know, if you have to wait till next year when the class is supposed oh, was, to be really, really good. Who well, was we it? Did it with, we did it with Jordan Love. Yes. On yes. the idea that, yeah, hey, exactly. uh, do you, yeah. you know, why not get Jordan Love if you don't believe in Matt Corral or Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett? Right. Eh, give Jordan Love a shot. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Mariota, I don't know if he came to Vegas thinking he was going to be the guy because Carr was so supplanted, but, you know, he's not younger either. So I think if he wants to revive the career, he's got to go somewhere else this year. Now, do you think Josh McDaniels and, and, and Dave Ziegler would make a run at him and how much would he even cost? 
I would be assuming Derek Carr is still here. Right? Yeah, they, I mean, I, they, I'm, I'm assuming right. Derek Carr is the number one quarterback. Then I would be surprised if they made a, if they tried to keep Marcus Mariota simply because he, he's going to cost something, right? He's, you're not going to sign him for two million dollars, no. right? You're gonna it's going to be what ten million dollars or something like that. So I would assume the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, and Dave Ziegler are going to look around and say, "All right, we'd rather spend that eight to ten million dollars on." a defensive tackle or a corner or a wide receiver, right? Like I'd assume they're going to look around and say, we'll find a cheaper back. Hell, we, hell, we might draft a quarterback in the third round to be the backup to Derek Carr. What? Like I, I assume they would find a cheaper option to where they can say, yeah, we don't need Marcus Mariota because we don't plan on playing Marcus Mariota. We signed Derek Carr to an extension for 40 million or whatever that number ends up being. I, I would assume they let him go. I would assume there's not going to be another regime that does the same thing with Mariota that Gruden and Mayock did, which is bring him in, pay him a lot of money, never play him. Yeah. Did you see, would, uh, by the way, uh, speaking of the former regime, Las Vegas locally tweet, did you see their tweet about 10 minutes ago? No, what'd they say? Johnny Gruden in Southern Highlands uh, bought the house for about $4 million, just sold it for 7 plus. Gruden out, Gruden out there making more money. I mean, this kid. What a, boy, I'll tell you one thing flip. about this kid. He knows how to make money. Who bought his house? I don't know. David Carr, he wants to be he wants to be next door to his brother. He's not close enough to his brother. David and Darren are moving in. They can all like I don't know have basketball games in the driveway or whatever. Ed, I need uh, very badly um, the Review Journal to put on the front page tomorrow. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in front of John Gruden's house <laughs> with his helmet on, with a Raider and, helmet on. Yes, implying that Aaron Rodgers. Like, Bought the house. Jeans and a T-shirt and like a Raider helmet on saying, right. Aaron, we could just uh, Photoshop him in saying he's the one who bought the house. That would be well, awesome. I don't read I the newspaper. Was, right. I think it was, was uh, it a guy in, uh, It was. I think it was a guy on the radio in Tennessee that said that Aaron Rodgers bought land in Nashville. Yes, yes. And that that, land was, in Nashville. that was a sign. Yes. That was it. That was a sign that he was coming to the Titans. Yes. Which, okay, the Titans, I guess, but. Yeah, so we need that from the Review Journal now. We need Aaron Rodgers buying a $7 million house from John Gruden in Las Vegas because he is the next quarterback. Of the and we need the quote tomorrow. You know, I wake up and the, I look at the newspaper, front of the newspaper, and here's uh, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers buying the house next door to me. I mean, right, the I house next door. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the house next door to me. Oh, I, that's, that's good. I, I, so here's your graphics department. Here's some tips here. Because the houses are next to each other, Aaron Rodgers is in front of John Gruden's old house, and you can, like, I don't know, X out Derek Carr's house that's right <laughs> next door. Right? Like, it, like that, we Put don't need that one Put a big X through anymore. it? Right, yeah, absolutely. Or um, uh, Devontae Adams can move into Derek Carr's house. Big first sale sign on, on uh, Carr's yard. Yes. Huge for yeah, sale Yeah, there sign. you go. There you go. A for sale. Yes, first perfect. Sale that is it. That is uh, it. Aaron Rodgers walking into John Gruden's house. And Derek Carr's house has a for sale sign on it. Front page of the RJ. Let's go. Can we make this happen? Good Aaron job Rogers by Gruden getting Vegas. the three million plus on the on the, uh, yeah. on the number. My goodness. In in like a couple of years, he like yeah. almost doubled the value of yeah. his house. That's he insane. Probably updated it a little bit. Yeah. Now, now you're going to tell me Major League Baseball owners don't make enough money either. Jeez, <laughs> that their franchises don't get more valuable every year. Incredible deal for John Mitt. Maybe it's a good thing he got fired. He was able to flip that house for almost double yeah. the price. Good for him. Way to go. Where's he going to live now? Florida? Going Tampa. back to his... Going back uh, to yeah, Tampa, I think. Go back to Tampa. It's where you, where you need to be.